it's it's cheap tea. It doesn't really get bitter. Also, have a lot of honey in there. Man, you really are lonely. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> because I have a lot of honey, or I don't mind bitterness. Oh, because you're drinking tea and it has honey and it has like all the things that would make you feel warm inside. I guess yeah, and a little bit of whiskey too. <laughs> Never forget. Hello and welcome to another episode of Films and Fika, the podcast where we have a cup of coffee, also known as a fika, and rant about movies, good and bad films. Hello, Mao. How are you today? Hello. Hello. I'm good. I'll good. Bet. Thank good. you. How you are you? You seem very upbeat today. Well, you know, I'm not going to lie to you. I kind of got used to doing one of these every week because that's how we've been doing the last, like, I think it was three episodes or something. Was it really three? Wasn't it? Uh, it feels like, yeah. I think it, it was three. Right. But, um, like, I know our schedule is every other Thursday. But, you know, you just kind of get into routine. And I feel like in the time that we're living right now, routine kind of helps a little bit, True. you know, dealing with the day to day. Um, so this whole week, I was kind of in a limbo where I was like, I don't have to edit. I don't have to watch a movie realistically really soon. Um, so it was it, it was a bit weird. I'm not going to hmm. lie. Um, well, I won't lie to you. I've actually enjoyed having an entire week having done like nothing yeah uh, no i understand that it makes I've sense i've been playing a lot of video games which is weird because of i haven't played very many video games and now i'm actually like playing video games as if i was 12 again i've been staying up to yeah. 3 a.m like that's insane you're not alone no like it's happening to me too it's a little bit worrisome it's a little bit worrisome. i feel like i am yeah I feel like I'm in middle school or mm. something. And you don't really have <laughs> routines then. Well, <clears throat> you see, outside of this, no. Like, realistically, I'm really bad at keeping time. So it's like, if I want to sit down and read, I don't want to be thinking about the fact that I have to do something else afterwards. Mm. I don't know. I don't I don't deal well with it. Um, I'm a very, I would say, like I'm driven by mood. And that kind of dictates what I want to do for the rest of the day. You know, if I don't want to move from my bed or if I just want to play video games or X, Y, or Z, I think that's how I roll. But at the same time, I've been talking to a lot of people and looking for like recommendations of either new video games or new shows to watch because I've kind of like explored all of my options there and, uh, I've been bored the past few days. Uh, so it's been nice actually going out uh, yesterday, doing something different. Yeah, I feel like you have to allow yourself the time to maybe try and within the safety, you know, limitations that we have at the mm -hmm. moment to at least try and do something different. Um, you know, walk your dog through a different 
path or at a different time or just like the little changes yeah. that might help your sanity deal with it for sure go on a hike be safe and uh, yeah for sure for sure for sure for sure i am excited about my my recommendation for this week actually i'm very proud that i have something unique and something different <laughs> you know i'm happy that you say that because you know I feel like we enjoy giving our recommendations, but it has been a little bit hard trying to find yeah. stuff to actively recommendate. I don't know. But, um... I've had a few this week, surprisingly enough, so I might save them up for later, but I have a good one. Uh, what about you? You go first. Um, okay, so I'm going to go with a movie, mostly because, you know, after watching Friends for the 10,000th time, you I saw was all like, of it? Maybe not all of it, <laughs> but I did make pretty good progress mm. um i have seen all of it multiple mm. times more times than i am probably you know proud of mm. saying um yeah but um in this case i've been trying to watch movies and and trying to you know fill in the gaps in terms of like my watch list and stuff and you know because we went to film school and we're both basic bitches when it comes to film at least to a certain extent, we enjoy filmmakers, like specific filmmakers that most of the movie community enjoy. Oh. And one of them is David Fincher. Oh. You know, he did Seven. Uh, he did... He's overrated. Um, you know, there is an argument. There is an <sighs> argument for that. But um, I really enjoy his movies. Shocker. I think he's technically very, very good. And yeah. um, there was this one movie that of his that I hadn't seen. And I was like, I'm going to, you know, get it out of the way and officially have seen all of his filmography. Um, and it's a movie that a lot of people don't talk about. Like, I've really never heard anyone bring it up in conversation. Um, but it's called The Game. And it came out after Seven. Um, and it stars... Michael Douglas and Sean Penn. And it's this thriller about a Wall Street type guy who gets sucked into a game, as the title gives away, obviously. Anyways, it's a fun thriller. It's a solid thriller. I was in it. I was super entertained. I was, you know, I feel when you look at movies from a filmmaker that have that don't have the same, let's call it, hype around mm -hmm. them as their more known, more analyzed films. I think you get to see, you know, the things that make the filmmaker special. And I think he handles pace really, really good. And I think he um, handles suspense and thriller in ways that not a lot of filmmakers do. And I like fucked up movies. I really, really do, you know, murder and mystery and all all the stuff. How, how so is it like? I had a lot of fun. Compared to Seven, I guess, if like how suspenseful is it and or like, is it a very Fincher movie, would you say? Yes. Yes, I would say it's a very Fincher movie. Okay. It's um, like it takes just a little bit at the beginning to really hook you in. But once it has you it doesn't let go and you're kind of mm -hmm. like in mm -hmm. it and you really enjoy the whole experience that comes out of it. 
um, I watched it with my brother and we were both really, really happy at the end of it. <laughs> so yeah, I would say go watch it if you can. I think it's a, a gem that not a lot of people know awesome. about myself included. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So my recommendation is not a movie surprisingly enough it's not a show or any visual it's a it's a song it's it's music so okay. i'm very excited because you even though you're not european you're aware of eurovision song contest you know I that am. that flamboyant place where every country of europe come together and sing songs for each other and then we vote for which song is the best well of course eurovision song contest this year is completely cancelled so it's not gonna yeah. happen. Um, but um, every country's uh, submission is still like available. I don't really know. I, it just popped up on my Spotify, and I really, really enjoy the 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 submission from Iceland. It's oh. really cool. Like I I usually don't watch the Swedish Eurovision like when they actually compete within the country, but I do yeah. watch the Eurovision because there are some some golden songs here and there usually well realistically speaking a lot of artists or some artists who have like an actually big name they came from eurovision you know like it's a solid contest like abba came from it most of did come from it Uh, yeah true yeah and for sure no shame in it no Uh, so there has been some very good artists from denmark and great britain at least that's the kind of music that i really appeal to Hmm. they're not necessarily songs that you um love and adore different from abba uh but they have like that one good song that you might put on your playlist for over for the summer or so Mm -hmm. regardless um so it's called (laughs) think about things by dolly for me try and pronounce that oh that we'll we'll write it down in the description, because I have no idea what you just it's, said, but it's it's really cool. The song itself, the, the song itself understood. has a like it's a, it's a really thick and cool bass line, and it's just mm. it's poppy, and I mean it it has the typical Eurovision feel to it, which is I I find kind of cringe worthy, but uh, it, it's kind of dope. It's kind of dope. Yeah, let me play you a, a snippet of the song. So I've been listening That's to that song. Actually, super funky. It's super funky, but yet kind of like I modern. And yeah, I, I've been listening to it on the road multiple mm. times uh, already. Okay. So yeah, it, it has a servant place on my playlist, at least. So you should check it out. That's cool. I will, actually. I think it's, it, it sounded really funky, but I do understand what you mean about that like Eurovision, like cringy feel that comes from it but i think I, that's just like the territory yeah. and you know it is There's what it just is the stereotypical things that comes with it yeah well, i mean even even waterloo had it a little bit to be completely yeah. honest especially like, back in the 70s that was like at peak yeah. it's yeah. just the same pattern throughout <laughs> but it's it is what it is it's your vision i mean i think it's like every other contest you know and every other kind of thing that goes on tv hell even things that 
don't go on TV have that sort of recurring theme, I guess. Like if you take a look at a lot of the Academy Award winning movies or like the Cannes Film Festival movies that win or like the X Factor contestants like it to win. Like they're all within the same kind of area, I guess, ballpark. But um, it is what it is and you, you just get used to it. You get roped into <laughs> liking some of them, I guess. Right. So the other day I was brushing my teeth. And okay. I've been meaning to ask you this very important question. Mm. Now, mm-hmm. when you brush your teeth, assuming that you do, yes. do you put okay. water on the toothbrush <laughs> or the toothpaste? Like, do you take out your toothbrush, put your toothpaste on your brush and then down in the sink and water it up, lube it up? Or do you take mm-hmm. your toothbrush and lube it up, put some water on there and then your toothpaste? Uh, there's only one way oh. and one right way to do it. Realistically, you put the toothpaste first and then you add the water you to do. it. You mm. do? Yeah. Otherwise, you're kind of a psychopath. I'm glad because I do the same. Okay. Uh, so we're good. I'm just saying, it's like... It's like that thing with toilet paper. Like, do you go over or under? And people who go under, you're doing it wrong. I go under just to fuck with people. I find it hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you go under in the sense of like, you do your business and maybe you like flip it and you leave it under. Is that what you're saying? Or do you actively use it under? Both. Just to fuck with people. I like to watch it burn, the world burn. <laughs> you just like chaos. I will say though, I've been trying it out to have take water first and then toothpaste. And it works. Truly, there's no difference, but it just feels weird. It's weird. Like actually, when I was around, <laughs> well, in my early teens, I got a I I heard someone talking about this one thing, like having mm-hmm. this debate about whether or not toothpaste before or after. And I'm like, people actually do the toothpaste after water? After water. That's a thing? You can do that? (laughs) I feel like we don't really think a lot of the things that we were taught as children. Mm -hmm. Like for us, it just becomes second nature. It's small things that you pick up as a kid. Like you have to do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember the first time that I saw someone tie their shoelaces a different way than mm. I did. And I was like, hold the phone, bro. <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? Like, I was completely mind blown. Because yeah. as a kid, you get taught a specific way of doing things. And I feel like in your brain, it just becomes this like, that's it. Like, that's how you do it. Like, y- your brain is not developed or focused enough at that moment in time that you're like oh you know maybe there's a different way to get from a to b it's just like no like i was taught to get to b you had to do Mm -hmm. this and i feel it's such an interesting thing mostly it's probably because as a kid you don't care enough about these like menial small things and you just want to get on with your day but it's weird it's weird when you think about the little things that you Mm. do I think as a kid, just because your parents taught you, you that just way. don't reflect of there being any other option. You're like, that's the way to do it. Okay, cool. It's it's very black and white. You you don't really have a worldview as you do when you grow up. Mm-hmm. Like an- another one of those things is like crossing the street. To me, it was very, like very 
one, two, three. You need to watch, look one way, then the other way, and then the other way again. If you were to ask me, I don't even look across the street anymore. I just go. If there's if there are cars, they're gonna have to stop for me. Damn. I, yeah, I think that comes with teenage years, and you have to like go against the grain mm. all the time. Yeah, it's like you become this weird challenging version of yourself where it's like what if i don't want to do it that way what if what if there's a different way of doing it and even if you're wrong you don't really want to let it mm. go um, but there is there but is yeah. a few of those things i don't really have a good example but where you as a kid it's very like easy into a conversation when you're when you're starting to notice that these people don't do it the way that you're taught it can be kind of dangerous territory to tread on yeah like yeah you it's don't like, want to be the weird no. kid who uh, puts the toothpaste on first <laughs> exactly exactly and it's uh, it just comes down to like how society has this setup idea uh -huh. of what you do and you don't want to like stand out for the stupid things like those like you know you like maybe your individualism isn't as developed at that moment in time but you don't want to be the freak that you know goes under instead of over you know and, and it's actually it's like i don't personally eat a lot of cereal mm -hmm. but i know for a fact that there's this huge debate about whether you put milk or the cereal first naturally. people actually get really really heated mm. about it um and it's it's intense i guess i don't know we are weird <laughs> I, as human yeah. beings and like how we create a it's habit like, I think and how hard it is to break it's those. very human to have one thing and there's no other way like that's why we're at war i guess <laughs> i guess that's why people argue all the time it's just small things like like the cereal thing is stupid realistically yeah but if someone do it different from what you're you you're supposed to do you gotta like slap them it's a deal breaker for a lot of mm. people or like you know there's there's so many examples i guess like there's people who say data instead of data and that's like a huge also like a huge thing is like why do you say it like that or either or mm -hmm. either <laughs> fucking humans we're so petty yeah. sometimes get hung up on things you know? like that as well so easily yeah crazy but i think it's a good segue that we're talking about childhood and the things that we believe in as children, given the movies nice. that we're well talking done. about today. Yeah, <laughs> Good I know. Segue. I'm actually very proud. I know. <laughs> Growing up, um, becoming an adult. Yeah. And the pain that comes with it sometimes, ah. you know, like to have to let go of things that you thought were true or just really hardly believed in. Um, so... As the title says, this week we're talking about Jojo Rabbit. And it's a 2019 movie directed by Taika Waititi. He also wrote the script. He also produced it. He also acted in it. So basically the guy's a fucking genius. Um, it's a coming of age movie. It's set in Nazi Germany. It's like the last year of the war, Second World War. For those of you who didn't know i guess huh? and um it's about a nazi child he is a very big believer of the nazi regime 
Uh, he has an imaginary friend that is basically Adolf Hitler. And the movie, you know, talks about what happens when someone who's that much of a fanatic finds a Jewish girl hiding in his house by his mother, uh, with his mother's help. And um, yeah, that's like a little synopsis for mm -hmm. you guys. Mm -hmm. And we're going to talk spoiler free for the next five minutes. And then we'll get into the very heavy spoilers of the movie. Mm -hmm. So, Algot, mm -hmm. what did you think about I it? Spoiler free. I adore this movie. It is perfect in every single way that I can imagine. I mean, <clears throat> I have... I have a certain like love to this director. I love every single movie that he's done previously. Um, so, so I was already colored by that going into the films. I was already going to like the film, certainly. But I would say that I had pretty high expectations and they were met. I think, and this is very daring to say, but I feel like Jojo Rabbit was the best movie of 2019. And it has some quite strong competition. Like that was not an easy year in the Academy Awards and so. But to me personally, this movie is just like, it fits every uh, category of mine. And I, I, I just love it. It's very like escapistic and it deals with the childhood and yada yada. And it's perfect for me. So yeah, I feel like it's the best film of that year. And knowing that it goes up to Parasite with that... The people that have listened to our episode on Parasite probably know what I will rate this film by the end of it. But um, I love it. I think you do too, don't you? Yeah, no, I I really, really, really do enjoy this film a lot. I thought, you know, I think it's perfect too, to be completely honest. Um, I have like, it's going to be know. difficult to find negative aspects of the film. It's super well crafted. Yeah. Look, to be completely honest, I don't think I personally have anything bad to say about the movie. There's some controversial things, I guess, Ooh, that we can touch yeah, on yeah, for sure. and give our two cents based on that. But I don't really have anything bad to say about the movie. I think it was, like you said, crafted beautifully. I do think it was one of the best movies of 2019. Um, it wasn't my personal no. favorite. My personal favorite was a very sad and you know, depressing movie. But um, this is definitely top five 2019. And I think it's interesting that you brought up Parasite because I feel just like we said about Bong Joon-ho and how he handled that movie brilliantly. I think Taika Waititi does the same thing mm -hmm. here. He plays with genre. He plays with tone. He plays with the script. And he came like this movie came at the proper time at the yep. like height yep. of... A lot of intolerance, I guess, mm -hmm. in um, recent years. And I think it's a really good movie. And I know that the plot sounds weird and quirky and maybe even a little bit dark. Um, it's a really... But if you haven't seen it, give it a it shot. It is a difficult sell. Um, I think the logline is pretty good when they say that um, it's an anti-hate satire. It's truly mm -hmm. that. It's a satire that's very well executed in every single way. My mom went off to me when I was going to see this movie. And it was like, they're making a movie about Hitler. Like Hitler is actually in the flesh, in the film. And, you know, seeing the film, I feel, I feel like they just do it amazingly. Um, seeing how Jojo, the main character, 
for the way he portrays Hitler as a pretend friend. Um, it's just very nice seeing, you know, it, it, it plays off very well. That's simply put. Yeah. I agree. I agree. I think it is a hard sell and it, that's probably why it took so long to actually get sure. made. But, um, uh, and I guess with the higher stakes, you got to be a bit more careful with the things that the sensitive subjects that it is. Um, so yeah, it's probably more carefully um, crafted, but yeah. I can't recommend it enough. Uh, if you're into, yeah, if you want to see a lighthearted coming of age film, because that's truly what it is. But, um, you know, funny, quirky, kind of Wes Anderson-like. Which, a, yeah, little a little bit, bit right? In, in, in some sense, I feel like, you know, it was Wes Anderson, I feel like in the colors mm. of it. And a bit of the cinematography. The of it. Yeah, but it's more satire than straight comedy. Yeah. Like, you will find yourself laughing at how ridiculous the, like, juxtaposition between the scenario and what was really going on during the world war two mm. um and the holocaust and again that's probably why the movie still even though is very well made and it was actually very successful you know like <clears throat> everything art it had a lot of people who weren't up for it yeah. you know and, and it's a completely understandable position um but with that i think we can start getting into spoiler territory yeah. now and um you know if you haven't seen it go see it it's really fun. And then come back, listen to us, share and discuss and uh, do all the things. All the things. All the oh, things. Yeah. So let's, we can start with the beginning. I feel okay. like with this movie, the beginning is key because you have to set up tone and you have to understand the dynamic between this kid and the imaginary version of Adolf mm -hmm. Hitler that he has in his yeah. head. And I feel the first like the first scene really does that well. Um, I mean, we, sp and we spend also... time with Jojo uh, along with Hitler, mm -hmm. I guess. Um, so it really establishes, as you say, his relationship and who Jojo is as a, as a character. Exactly. And it doesn't really hold back any punches. Mm -hmm. Like the first few minutes of this movie will tell you exactly what you're signing up mm. for in terms of tone and this whole angle with the satire mm. and where it's going to go. Um, ridiculousness and yeah basically just trying to find the various ridiculous aspects not only of nazi germany but i feel like of hate of like true hatred against another person or another group of people or you know anything specific like that and i feel you also get to see how thought through this whole movie is by Taika Waititi. Like he saw this footage, archival footage of how people behaved around Hitler. And when he went around doing tours and like his speeches and all of this thing. And he was like, that looks weirdly close to how people behaved around the mm -hmm. Beatles. And boom, you have an mm -hmm. intro. Like you put the German version of a Beatles song sang by the Beatles, yep. by the way, they recorded two German songs, like two songs in German, which I think is awesome. Um, and so he puts that over footage of Hitler going around Germany and how people would like faint and cry and just like be so ecstatic. Girls are literally and, fangirling. 
of on yeah, Hitler. Exactly. It's, it's crazy. It's, you don't. You, I guess it's nothing that you necessarily see uh, in history class. Uh, yeah. So it was. It's kind of freaky, uh, but a cool opening sequence for sure. Yeah, and I feel like it just lets you know exactly what you're in here for. <gasps> you know, he's not gonna pull any of his punches, and he's gonna be very straightforward. And I think it's not easy to portray Hitler the way that he did and still us have it, believe it, you know, and, and like be on board with the whole movie. Uh, how did you feel about him portraying Hitler and the way that he went about it? I never saw it as a about big it. issue. I was never too worried about it, knowing Taika, I guess, uh, knowing it's it's a satire. It, they're very forward with that entire thing. And having seen the trailer multiple times, I knew what I was getting into for sure. Um, I love the progression of Jojo's interpretation of Hitler as we move along and how it's worsened and worsened as he gets to know more about the Nazi uh, ideology and or Jews as actually actual people, um, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, simply as he moves along, as simply as he as he grows up as a person, as a character. Yeah. Uh, but it's also funny to see how extreme Hitler, like in the first sequence again, the first time we see Hitler, he's all over the top. It's never a question whether or not he's trying to portray the actual person. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a glorification of what Hitler was. And in a, in a way, it was like the way they wanted to portray him through propaganda. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting in multiple ways as a funny satire, but also as, you know, a historical piece. Yeah, for sure. Especially because, and I think this comes down to script and the editing of the movie, we experience all of it through the eyes of Jojo Rabbit. Mm, very well done, or, yeah. Well, his name is Johannes Betzler. Jojo. Jojo. Um, so he's a 10-year-old. You know, and he was exposed to everything mm-hmm. you just mentioned, you know, the propaganda, the the hype around Hitler, this idea of the German height and prowess and power. And, and you're very easily think, affected by that kind of things as a kid. So it's only natural. Exactly. Exactly. And so the way that we experience everything through his eyes allows this movie to tell the story the way that it's supposed mm-hmm. to, right? Because... It would be easy to think, oh, you know, Jojo's just dumb or he can't see past what he lives um, around. But realistically, when you're 10, you don't. Mm-hmm. You don't think about As we said before, when you accept your surroundings as they are. And- exactly. Exactly. And I feel, you know, it's like you said, it's an interesting progression to see um, the change that he goes through. Uh, as he lives this idea of like children mm-hmm. behind. Um, and it's, and, and it's also think, hilarious to see Hitler by the dinner table with a head of a unicorn. <laughs> because exactly. why not? And, and it's a kid's imagination. Why not? Of course Hitler yeah. eats unicorns. And, and I feel it gave Waititi the freedom to just play with it. And I feel one of the things that I really, really enjoy about this movie is how visual it is. You know, like mm-hmm. we talked a little bit about how visual movies can be with Parasite and how visuals interconnect within the story. But I feel 
this goes above yeah. it in terms of its visual uh, storytelling. Uh-huh. I think it's amazing. Um, and we can talk about it more as we go through the movie. But uh, yeah, realistically, one of my favorite parts of the movie is the first like act of it when you see Jojo go, he goes to camp, like the training camp weekend. Yeah. Um, which based on the trailers, I thought was going to be most of the movie. Like I thought the movie was going to go back and forth between his home life and the camp. So the fact that it's only like 10 or 15 minutes, I don't mind. I, but I, I just think it's so great at introducing Mm -hmm. these characters. And it's very efficient too. I mean, it's not necessarily a complicated story. It doesn't have that many characters, but, um, on a second watch, I kind of reflected on the fact that you introduce Jojo and then only a few minutes later, there's Elsa, a Jew in the attic. Jew who, yeah. Jew, hilarious. Um, it's, it definitely moves forward without stopping a beat necessarily, and it, but the editing is just perfect like that. There's, there's a few montages and it, it progresses perfectly. You go to Jojo, you introduce the mother, and then you introduce the mm. Jew in the addict. And there's your story. That's the plot. And then you yeah. start. I feel like you said, it's like pretty to the point. And I think it's hilarious when you think about how this movie got made was he like YTT got recommended the book Caging Skies by his mom. Okay. And apparently he started reading it. And here's the thing about the book. The book is actually very different to the to the movie I can imagine. it's a very heavy very dark very scary book about you know fanatism and toxic masculinity and a whole bunch of other stuff apparently i haven't mm-hmm. read it but this is what i heard um and actually ytt doesn't even remember if he finished the book because about halfway through he had this whole movie in his head already and he was like that's that's the story that I'm going to tell. And like you said, that's why it might feel a little simple. But I feel that with coming of age movies, simplicity is not a bad thing. I mean, we it's more about we truly spend all of the movie with Jojo through his perspective mm-hmm. and you don't need anything else. Definitely. Not. Yeah. And because it's not about plot or about complex, mm-hmm. you know, sci-fi terminology or anything. It's about this boy growing up and just trying to figure out who he is and kind of remarkably so you have this boy roman griffin davis and he carries the whole movie and he i think he was actually 10 or 11 and it's amazing it's how insane. good he is like where did this kid come from new zealand i know but it's like, crazy he's so good he's so yeah. good knowing i mean of course we've had things like stranger things recently and those Mm -hmm. kids are amazing but kid actors can literally ruin a movie oh we saw it last episode Mm. a little Mm. bit Mm. you know those kids were older too yeah and i think it comes down to the fact that it's not about age it might sound corny or something but i feel it's about talent just yeah having the talent to Mm -hmm. do it because it's not an easy job you're carrying a whole movie and he had to have some sort of German accent. And you also have some very emotional scenes, which I think were very, very well done um, in terms of 
direction and tone, but he manages to do them. You know, one of the most difficult scenes to sit through, you know, when his mom's mm-hmm. dead, that's all him. We never see mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson. I think it's worth talking about it um, in terms of this scene specifically. Um, and I want to know your thoughts on it because we kind of talked a little bit about it before we were recording, but not even today, like at some point. Mm-hmm. But the movie is so visual mm-hmm. and so specific about those visuals that this is one of the biggest like gut punch scenes that I've had in a while, you know, like it just creeps up on you and you know it, you know it when you see it. And that's the brilliance of it, right? Like, oh, it's just so good. It's just so good. It is good. literally the best death scene that I've ever seen, I think. It's like so, mm. it plays with your em- emotions so much because this little kid who's been through so much is now like actually finding some happiness some love in his life and there's a little bit of color in this desaturated world and then he just stands up he looks over and you know it's just like "Mm." Uh, Mm. there's some shoes and again like the visual language they have been plotting these images with jojo at the same level as his mother's shoes it's perfect it's amazing and then we just cut away from it and you sit there a little bit uh, it's heartbreaking yeah. it's heartbreaking and it, it, just the way that it plays with your feelings just adds to it so much that you're you go from like a sub, super strong feeling of love and then all of a sudden like death horrible yeah for sure and i feel a lot of it has to do well at least for me <laughs> i'm not gonna lie uh i think scarlett johansson kind of underappreciated when it comes to her acting um especially after she started doing the avenger movies and the whole marvel cinematic universe Mm -hmm. i feel that kind of trapped her in a box not in a bad way necessarily because she's still a badass and she's still super smart and she's still like strong but um last year a lot of people got to see how good she is as an Mm -hmm. actress as someone who is able to take you to very emotional places and to very funny places and just how dynamic she can be with her portrayals and the way that she you know gives life to rosie jojo's mom i think is so brilliant and i think i love her even more so like the dynamic that's rosie and jojo has how they play off with each other especially with the dinner scene how rosie is put some ashes on her face and has beard and acts out being Jojo's dad. It's just like, again, it's a very like perfectly emotionally ups and downs of a scene of a sequence. It's super cool. And it ends with them dancing and it's so sweet. Um, Yeah. Like I'm, I, I, I really enjoy how Rosie is portraying like the childhood that Jojo doesn't have. Of course, mm-hmm. Jojo being the kid who doesn't have a father figure or a father in the house. So he's supposed to be the father of the house or the man in the house. Mm-hmm. And um, the, all of this outside of impact that he has of growing up to go out in war and yada, yada, uh, having to kill a bunny to prove that you are are an adult and a man. Um, yeah. And then Rosie completely 
contrasts that she be even as his mother she shows him a better side of life a brighter side of life he's trying to be so much more he's trying to be an adult and a man while she mm -hmm. still has the childlike um she's still a child inside that he is not so it's nice yeah and i think it's a it's a very interesting dynamic the one that they mm. have mostly because you know jojo is a fanatic and he's a little bit crazy especially at the start like the first half of the movie i would say like you can see in rosie's way of treating him that to an extent she is a little bit worried and she's a little bit scared of who this kid is and how under how indoctrinated he is you know like how much he believes in the nazi cause and the you mm -hmm. know german mm -hmm. belief of being superior and all this other things and i you know there's there's parts of it most of it that gets made fun of like the whole thing about him being um devastated when he found out that his grandfather wasn't yeah. blonde and you know it's like a it funny took him weeks to get over it, it and it's exactly it's like a it's like a hilarious moment yeah. um and i feel that it's supposed to be because he's a 10 year old and you're supposed to have fun with it but at the end of the day when you think about it it's like it's kind of it's kind of twisted mm -hmm. how into nazi philosophy this kid is and how easily manipulated he was and i think maybe that's what ytt is trying to focus yeah. on you know like how malleable we are as human yeah. beings and how dangerous that can be mm -hmm. you know but it but it only makes sense like she she just wants to protect him she he's the only mm -hmm. kid that she has left so it makes a lot of sense that she, she doesn't because to the audience as the audience goer it uh, we always know what rosie is up to she's um anti the entire nazi thing and she just wants the war to be over of course she like has those small sentences here and there when she is implying it directly to the kid but um she's not trying to change him she's just i think it's perfect parenting essentially like uh, he has his worldview, uh, but she still lets him explore whatever he wants to. What he yeah, thinks she's is not trying to impose. Mm. Yeah, she's not trying to force something on him. She's just like, it's fine that you have this whole thing going on, but look yeah. at this other side. You know, like slowly, calmly tries to win him over, essentially. Um, hmm. But of course, if there is, if you're literally taught in school of Jews uh not liking brussels sprouts or what are, what are they talking about it's like poison to them i think they're saying um yeah then you know the rosie doesn't really stand much of a chance yeah but um let's talk about mm -hmm. elsa a little bit because i think also an amazing actor amazing yeah, it's insane wow like, i i truly hope that um these kids will have a, an amazing acting career uh mm. i i i just hope the best for them that they're actually able to pursue because they're so good they're so good already can you imagine yeah it's just like i want to see more yeah. you know i want to see what their yeah. range is i want to see what else they're capable of 
because like you said she is super mm. good and she also doesn't have an easy part no, no you know like and it's a part that she could have easily like she could have been overly sad or overly mean but she's just enough of both i think there's and, a lot of good directing to that's 100 and this. i feel the directing comes with all of the cast mm-hmm. members you know like even the nazi characters that get introduced um like captain k and the guy that he's clearly <laughs> having a gay relationship mm-hmm. with and um you know what i'm actually gonna take a time to recognize the fact that um i enjoyed rebel wilson in this movie i don't usually enjoy you her don't acting appreciate rebel wilson <laughs> not she's, all the time she's a badass I, th- though. I think she's oh yeah for sure and i think she's actually funny you know in some of the um, she's perfect in, in some pitch of the perfect. other movies yes yeah. exactly so i do enjoy her in pitch mm-hmm. perfect but i feel like in some other movies she kind of started just playing the same kind yeah. of monotone mm-hmm. character and i feel this is like her in essence but it's also a really wacky character that just made me crack up every oh, yeah. time she speaks mm-hmm. i thought she was great i have had 18 babies for german country uh the mother then <laughs> i couldn't be more proud <laughs> yeah or like when she wants to give jojo a gun and everyone yeah. was like what no and she's just like here's a gun it's okay uh perfect absolutely uh but elsa is yeah. an amazing actor and again just like the chemistry from the get-go between jojo and elsa mm-hmm. they're playing off each other so well and there's always like that play of the contrast because You're on Jojo's side, even though, of, of course, he's on the losing side of the <laughs> of the history. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Um, <laughs> you're on his side because he's just this poor little sweet kid. And it's so cute of him trying to understand that Elsa is actually human. And all, yeah. all of this, his entire worldview is crumbling as he finds out more. Um, mm. And I love the editing of the scene where they first meet because Mm -hmm. like we said Mm -hmm. before we're on his perspective and the moment that he goes up and he finds this girl all of that sequence is edited like a horror there's the high strings the sound design the the sound like everything is like a horror hand is slowly creeping out (laughs) exactly exactly like it's all made to put us in the same headspace that he's in and it's brilliant Brilliant. because you're in it with (laughs) him like who is this person in his house like why is she there what's going to happen if if she gets found out like all of these things go through our mind just like they go through uh, his mind uh-huh. you know and i think it's hilarious it's hilarious when he also notices the fact that this girl can take him like yeah. there's a couple of moments after the first meeting where she's like i'm stronger than you i'm taller than you I could take you and I'm a Jewish person. And I think that's one of the things that starts him to change. Mm-hmm. It's a very slow um, and easy progression um, too. Uh, and I love that, that you just don't change overnight. That's not how it, it's going to work. Every time Jojo, yeah. or at least the first times that he comes up to her before they're actually friends, he's slowly easing up, but he's always trying to have this like outer layer and, 
puff up like a manly man and be like, okay, Jew, here's how it's going to be. Uh, yeah, amazing. So their dynamic again is amazing. The way they just play off each other, the way Elsa has sympathy for this young poor kid. Um, I want to talk about the ending with them too, though. Yes. I think that's the only thing that I struggle with, with the film. Oh, yeah. Do tell. Um, Actually, yeah. Okay, get into so, it. So, again, we see this movie from Jojo's perspective, how he is slowly mm -hmm. easing up for to Elsa, how he literally mm -hmm. starts having butterflies in his belly. Like, I mm -hmm. mean, that's kind of where I find the most like Wes Anderson, like you pan down and then there's like this picture in picture with feather on it. It's just, it's yeah. so wholesome. Yeah. And it's very quirky and like, uh, uh, it's nice. Well, mm -hmm. Jojo is falling in love with Elsa where that's very obvious at least. And then at yeah. the end of it, when he has to like, uh, like, uh, is it safe out there and all of that? There's so much buildup. So I just, usually when I watch movies, I puke at happy endings where they live happily ever after and they kiss and they walk it <laughs> down the sunset. I don't think, I don't think I would have minded it for this film. Of course, however, Elsa is so much older than him. Yeah. And it's, I guess if you look at it that way, it has always been that uh sister brother relationship that they have from elsa's perspective at mm -hmm. least um but we don't really see since we always see it from jojo's like eyeline elsa very rarely stands up for us to actually see how much older she is um mm -hmm. so i think that kind of you might have been able to do that better some sort i guess it's just very heartbreaking <laughs> to me when she's completely friend zoning him. No, but um, it's a, it's a very cute moment, granted, that Jojo realizes yeah. that you probably love me more than as a brother, but um, yes, yes, I do. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I would have minded an, an, a little bit of like an open ending, a kiss or something like that. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I can see what you're mm. saying. And I think it comes down to the fact that we see their dynamic from Jojo's perspective. And because he's falling in love with her and this whole like boyhood crush aspect of the movie, I don't know if I feel like, you know, you're already dealing with a movie that is like about Nazis and about second world war and about fanatism and all of these other heavy subjects that maybe having the 17 year old, end up with a 10 year old might have been pushing it like i feel people would have been like that's crossing yeah. a line um especially because it's happened before you know like with um call me by your name where there's supposed to be a huge well not huge but like a big age mm -hmm, gap mm -hmm. in between the two main characters who have a relationship a romantic relationship going mm -hmm. on but um I don't know. For me, honestly, hearing you talk about endings is always super right. interesting because you, first of all, you jump around all the time. It's like, I feel it depends on how you wake up that day. Yeah. If you want a happy ending or if you want a sad ending. Um, like I know that endings are important to you, but sometimes you're like, you find it so hard to believe that a movie 
can have a happy ending. Like it, they, like it takes you away from it. But you also really enjoy very happy mm. movies, very quirky, like this type of movie. So, and those usually have a happy ending <laughs> yeah. somewhere or another. Realistically, you know? I think it is me just determining that it's the ending that matters. But I, it's really the build up leading to it. I guess I really enjoyed the ending. I feel like endings are mm. hard. All endings are hard, and sticking the landing is never easy. Um, but I feel this was just right. Um, I also feel the song Heroes by David Bowie is one of the Amazing. best movie songs yeah. mm-hmm. ever. Like, I don't care that there's a lot of movies who use it as part of their movie. I feel realistically down the line, I would love to use it in a movie because it's just the best it's movie song a, ever. And ending sorry. on it, you can't get going out with a bang there it's like yeah for i agree it's very heartwarming mm. and uplifting and i think it's very well done mm. it, it is a really good ending you're like of course you're you're gonna leave that auditorium with a smile on your face it's there's just no question about it it's a good ending 100 percent. yeah and i feel it comes down to the fact that you know we go on this whole journey where it's like it starts as a quirky happy movie and then it gets a little bit scary and then it gets happy uplifting and then it knocks you on your ass when rosie (laughs) dies and then it gets a little bit scary again with the whole gestapo Mm. police officers showing up which is again i feel it just talks to how good ytt was balancing even though it's a genre and radical satire it's very down to earth and very realistic in many ways even mm-hmm. though the characters are very over the top um it's just it's very down to earth in a in a weird way like realistically they wouldn't end up together the two of them yeah uh, realistically rosie would die eventually um 100 and you know it's there's a lot of those scenes that are feel... extremely serious but it just works the contrast of the yeah. serious death scenes and war scenes contra the hilarious uh, Heil Hitler scenes with the Gestapo. Which, again, genius. I laughed my way all through that scene. It's amazing. Just like, because it's so ridiculous, right? And they had to do that. It's like, so funny. That was an actual thing. Like, if you walked into a room and there were like 10 people, you had to Heil. All of them, especially if they were like officials mm. and they were like a higher rank than you. Like, uh, it sounds ridiculous and it was super funny, but it was a thing. And I feel that's what the movie's trying to do, right? It's like, it's pointing out the ridiculous craziness of this whole that's group. That were reality. That were yeah. real. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, in the Gestapo scene, uh, Captain K literally saves the entire situation with Elsa saying the wrong date of birth, but Captain Mm. K ignores it, or so it seems, or like maybe Uh they're going to come back later and just bring her with them. It's very tense. Throughout the film, you're never too sure about Captain K. I mean, heck, he even saves Jojo's real life. Mm -hmm. So... Do you think that Captain K and Rosie, they obviously have a relationship from the get-go, judging by the fact that when Jojo is blown up to pieces, uh, K is like, his mother is going to kill me. 
Um, <laughs> and then, of course, he, she does by kicking him in the balls, which uh, I guess kills a future generation instead of him himself. But is Captain... She attacked yeah. him. <laughs> is Captain K a sympathizer from the get-go? What's hmm. the relationship between Captain K and Rosie, do you think? I feel... I think Rosie and Captain K knew each other through Rosie's husband, mm. who was a military Could man. Be. I'm guessing maybe, you know, they trained together or they were friends before and they also trained together. Some sort of dynamic like maybe that. Maybe it even had to do something um, with him being kicked off the uh, the force and having to train yeah. younglings. Operation, <gasps> yeah, Operation Screw. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which we don't know anything yeah. about. Um, I feel he's an interesting character overall, just because like you said, you're never quite sure with him. He bounces back and forth because at the end of the day, I feel it comes down to the fact that when you're dealing with a military regime, it's kind of hard to know with everyone. Like a lot of them might've been like Jojo, like completely pro-Nazi and brainwashed very much a fanatic mm -hmm. yeah brainwashed but you know some of them were like there because you had to be part of the army you had to mm -hmm. fight for your country you had to be you were either with or against them um and that's the way that they saw it that's not necessarily the way a lot of soldiers lived their day-to-day -day, you know interactions with the with the country and the people I feel the fact that I feel maybe he was, you know, properly committed to the cause at some point, you know, because that's just the idea that you get from it. Um, but I feel the moment he gets demoted and he kind of loses sight of his career mm. as a military mm -hmm. man, maybe the ridiculous aspects of some things start popping up. And, you know, the fact that he is a gay man in a regime that also killed and completely exactly. um, attacked uh, homosexuals at the time. I think that was a hard, also like a hard thing to deal with yeah. for him. Um, I think there's definitely that. Uh, some way along his path, he's, he's started to turnover or so i i don't know uh because he's still seen running around in this ridiculous outfit shooting uh russians oh it's yeah it's hilarious it, like the, it's great the scene great. when he presents and, you know, his outfit to jojo they're like in his office serious and all and he gives him a doodle <laughs> it's it looks like a child drew it do and you I see think it's the genius. feathers for aerodynamics aerodynamics <laughs> <laughs> and there's a loudspeaker to last annoying music <laughs> so yeah he's a bit out of it it's, for sure <laughs> yeah um i also feel like even though he might have not agreed with everything in terms of the nazi philosophy yeah. he was a military man mm -hmm. he liked mm -hmm. that because his introduction is like you might be wondering why i'm here teaching a bunch of children and not Riding into glorious battle, um, which oh I God, do too. Sam Rockwell is so good. Mm, mm. <laughs> and then he just starts shooting <laughs> to prove that he doesn't need two eyes yeah. to be accurate, I guess. I don't know. And the kids just it's... start applauding. I definitely yeah. think reading into it that 
Jojo and Captain K have some sort of pact. Definitely might have been something to do with the father. Um, hmm. That would be very plausible. Maybe you can read into it more on a on another watch. But uh, I, I would like to believe that they have some sort of pact or agreement for him to like protect Jojo um, from it all. And that's why he goes along, uh, around collecting scrap metal. We, by the way, as a fucking robot, we haven't even touched on the best character in the film. Yorkie, fuck Man. yeah, Yorkie! Yorkie's awesome. I, another great kid actor in my Amazing. opinion. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think he has great comedic timing. And he's playing um, comedic relief, but you need him yes. for that comedic relief. Every time you see him, he's like this little chubby kid who's just so cute. <laughs> And I feel he's such a great contrast. Yeah. Contrast mm. to. I'm sorry um, to hear that your mother died. I cried for hours. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a great contrast to Jojo's fanatism because you can see that like Yorkie's also into being uh-huh. in the Nazi corps, I guess, but not to the same extent. And he's just. I feel he has so many great lines. <gasps> I love when he says, no, I'm just a kid trapped in the skin of a fat kid. I thought that was, that made me laugh so much. And I feel like what's interesting about this movie is that we've watched it at least twice Mm -hmm. now. And I still laughed Mm. a lot. And that doesn't really happen, happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) with a lot of Mm -hmm. comedies for me. It's like, once you know the joke is coming, it kind of loses it. But the writing is just so witty and so very perfectly delivered that you just can't help but I'm, I'm looking forward to you know? see this movie so many more times. Like, yeah. I think that signifies a good movie. I can quote all of Monty Python, The Holy Grail, but I laugh out loud every single time. When you're yeah. with Jojo and Elsa and they're like making food or something and you hear the knock on the door and like, oh, it's the Gestapo scene. It's amazing yeah you just look forward to it that's the sign of a good comedy realistically like yeah i think rewatchability is key and like that it's timeless like that yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i think another movie that does that really good is scott pilgrim versus the world like i've seen that movie so many times and you've seen it so many more times (laughs) than i have um but i still laugh a lot when i see that movie just because it's it's well made i guess i don't know um, I want to talk a little bit about the um, visual language yeah. that the movie mm-hmm, has mm-hmm. because I feel cinematography might not be the first thing that people talk mm-hmm. about when they see this movie. Um, but I think it's really cool um, when it comes to cinematography and production design that Taika Waititi decided not to go the usual route um, when portraying, you know, Nazi Germany. Yeah. It's easy to think that things were gray and bleak and kind of have a bluish tone, but that's realistically not how it was. Um, architecture is always very colorful in German towns. I find um, European towns overall yeah. have a very poppy kind of quirky aspect to them. Um, and I think it was a, interesting choice to do that because if you think about it everything is very bright 
up until the moment that Jojo finds his mom and then things get very desaturated. And, and then the, the world around him too, like he's starting to doubt and hear things about the Hitler and the regime itself. And the war mm -hmm. is creeping in on them. I feel like it reflects it perfectly. Yeah. And I feel what's really good is just the use of visual aids, let's mm -hmm. call them, to transmit the story progression. Mm -hmm. um, Jojo's always in Nazi outfits up until when he starts falling in love with Elsa. And then he stops wearing his uniform mm -hmm. and his cap. And then he finds his mom and then it goes out of the window completely. Like he doesn't wear his uniform again. Just like Hitler did at the last scene with him. <laughs> <laughs> exactly because he because he's supposed to be dead right and it's like oh man i just i don't think i can talk enough about how beautifully crafted this movie is from start to finish and the amount of attention that it was put to the yeah. details you know like literally uh, every single aspect especially the cinematography especially the the art design they had a tiny mm -hmm. budget for this. Granted, very few locations. So they made that one building count. But mm -hmm. the, the art design within that building and everywhere else, amazing. Um, and the, the writing, we haven't really spoken about that, but it's so well written. Everything from the dialogue mm -hmm. to the development, to the characters, to the, to the sequences. To, wow, it's so well written and directed with kids that's not an easy task the acting on top of that mm -hmm. it's so good so good I, yeah no i agree i have a big appreciation for like a small detail that makes mm -hmm. it for me not necessarily all of it but like i love that um i mean let's talk about the fact that um most of them try or maybe they didn't don't even try to have a german accent what's up with that <laughs> Okay, yes. So they do try, they, right? Because it's a thing. They do, like, but do they? Or are they just trying just enough? Or I don't know. I don't know. And I, I noticed it more the second mm. time. Because, for example, Scarlett Johansson definitely has an accent. But it's not... It's not German. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not German. I think it just... It's supposed to vaguely inspire europeanness mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's, that's a good like, way to put it i think yeah like i feel it's just enough so that we understand that in the real world within the movie they wouldn't be talking english to yeah. each other and like the whole movie would be in german rebel wilson's you know? accent that's, is hilarious yes and i feel i think maybe what he wanted to do was just like let them try it out and just have it enough for us to understand that they're foreigners um especially because they they're not all american either so they have their own accents yeah. so by having them have an accent maybe it was a way to like normalize uh -huh. the english uh, it also kind of makes it all quirkier because they go in and out of the accent at times and it's not perfect mm -hmm. it, I, it's not supposed to be perfect in that case they would have like seemingly tried i guess um but i think it adds to the uh, the quirkiness the ridiculousness it kind of 
lifts it all up from a serious war film that it could be, mm-hmm. of course. And that it is a little bit at oh, the yeah. end. Oh, those action scenes are cool. <laughs> Especially the, the sequence when the German shepherds are running with guns and the rebel straps <laughs> grenades to kids. <laughs> Which, and, and that's the thing, right? Like, it gets really oh, dark. Care. Like, it gets really, really dark. And it, like, the thing with the grenade stuck to the kid and how she's just like, now go hug an American. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> that's a, that's a kamikaze kid. Anyway, um, <laughs> it just, I feel when it comes to the movie itself, a lot of people talked about how it made not fun, but that it was, you know, glossing over or like sugarcoating a lot of the atrocities mm-hmm. that happened during World War II. And I don't think that's exactly what he was trying to no. do um, because he doesn't necessarily. But I can see like, where we you're see... Get coming from. Like I can see how you're... Yes. How you feel very strongly about this entire subject and that it might be seemingly offending. But I think that he takes the precautions necessary for even more precautions than necessary even i would say it's very sensitive within the sensitive subject matter yeah and like you said like i understand where it's coming from Mm. and you know full disclosure neither of us is jewish and neither of us well actually i've never asked you this but i don't have like a an actual Connection to it now. Connection to the Second Mm -hmm. World War, you know, and like, I'm Mexican. That's like (laughs) that would have been a pretty hard sell. Um, But you're European, Mm -hmm. and there's a higher chance, I guess, for you to have a connection to the Second World War. No, no, other than asking my grandparents of how they uh, experienced it. No, yeah, Mm -hmm. which is like nothing special. It's just. Well, it's just a war. Of course, they were terrified for their lives, but not not that big of a deal in Sweden, that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that could definitely add to the fact that we don't find, mm-hmm. you know, the we don't have that same mindset, I guess. And I feel what I would think is key is to understand that he's not trying to make light of it. He's trying to highlight what mm-hmm. was ridiculous about it, you know, but when he has to get dark, it gets dark and the worst scene, cause it's more like one or two scenes itself. It's, it's, it's mm-hmm. heavy. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a big switch between and, what we've been looking at at the and moment. They are allowed to play within that and take its time. Then, of mm-hmm. course, with the next scene or sequence, switching back to joke, yeah, jokes and funniness with Yorkie most of the time, to be honest. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, with the death scene as well, you, it takes its time. You feel for the kid. Um, mm-hmm. Even though it instantly switches back to a jokey, ridiculous, quirkiness. Well, I think it, the key there is that it lets you sit in it mm-hmm. and breathe. Mm-hmm in it you know like after we find out that Rosie's dead there's a yeah. moment of jojo sitting down and just 
and know, even even before there. that there's like this transition if you just go mm -hmm. back and forth constantly it wouldn't work out the same yeah no. exactly and it's the same thing with the war like you see jojo faced with the horribleness mm -hmm. of it and he's really really shocked because it's not this thing that he thought it's not like heroic it's not glorious it's not this you know epic charge for your country it's loud and it's violent and it's bloody and it's awful <sighs> and you're with him in that mm -hmm. journey and then when he hides in that house that's when you sit on it mm. and you're like oh shit like war has now caught up with the reality that this kid was living in and that we were in with him so yeah, it's shocking to us i think the audience it is. Mm -hmm. yeah it comes out mm. of nowhere uh going back to the the german accent and so and so like yeah of course it kind of makes it more real it does that they have some sort of accent it makes it more like mm -hmm. as if it is taking place in berlin germany even though it's shot almost completely in prague um <laughs> uh, on top of that i really appreciate it's a small detail but i love the fact that everything is written in german everything from yes. the propaganda posters to the uh, there's quite a few letters that jojo writes all in german and and his book his book yeah. is also mm -hmm. in german um yeah. small touches like it doesn't make the movie or anything but i i just love that they pay such close attention i guess it proves that they do pay close attention to small things like that um yeah mm -hmm. uh, like i feel like it just makes it more down to earth uh it makes it more realistic within the uh out of this world world yeah yeah i feel when it comes to you know filmmakers attention to detail is not always there but when it is it adds so much to it you know and you can sense the amount of thought that goes behind all of the decisions that Taika Waititi did for this movie. And I feel they add to the fact that it's a breathing environment, you know, and like realistically, of course, they would write in German. Hello, it's Germany. Um, it's yeah. a fact. But I can understand how that can become a second thought or something in the back of your head. So you don't really pay attention to it yeah i have spoken to quite a few people about jojo rabbit and i've only heard good things i've yet to find someone that is not too big of a fan of the film i think it sits well with mm. most people i mean it's a light-hearted film it's a coming-of-age story that's usually goes home with most people but it's really yeah. well done I, I i don't see how you can go wrong with it i agree and with that what's your rating I'll naturally talk, even though yeah. Everyone knows what it is, but what is well, it? You know this mo more than anyone that this is my type of film. It's, it truly is. It's quirky. It's hilarious. Um, it's very, not necessarily escapistic, but it's very like out of this world. I feel like I've used that term uh, many times, but it describes it, describes the uh, setting of the film very well. Um, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a very certain five out of five to me. It's an amazing film. Five out of five. Yeah. First time I watched this movie, I gave it a four star. Oh. Um, mostly because I thought, like, it didn't necessarily 
hit the right notes emotionally for me. Like I laughed a lot, but I thought that the emotional scenes didn't connect quite as much with me, which I'm not mm -hmm. sure why. I'm not going to lie. I have no explanation for it. Um, upon rewatch, it hit me more, I guess. And the just the true balance within the movie and the acting and everything that comes together to make this movie what it is. And yeah, I'm, I'm mopping up my um, grade for this and I'm giving it a five out of oh, five as well. Cause I think one entire star more, I think it is perfect. It, it, yeah, it is sure. perfect. Isn't it? Yeah. I have nothing no. to say about it. Um, everything is done very well. Everyone gives their best uh -huh. performance. I feel like when I, I don't know what's wrong with it. Like I can't yeah. find anything <laughs> that I didn't like. When Sorry. I watch movies, I, uh, especially with this kind of film, I have a tendency to like completely dwell into the world, this character mm -hmm. and just time just flies by. And, uh, but I think that's just another, uh, sign of well crafted movies and like great filmmaking. Uh, yeah, no, this I, one especially, may, like, you know, I, I relate to a Nazi kid. That's not something that I should relate to, but um, they're they're just yeah, so or, well done. Yeah, everything is very well thought out, and you know, I enjoy watching a movie like everyone else. But I also like analyzing and dissecting mm. and really getting into it and this movie has a lot to do with like for me to do yeah. that you know um there's motifs with the shoes with the butterflies yeah. what they mean what they don't mean and um everything and is real quick like with the red shoes mm -hmm. that's so spielberg there's even a quote i think from a tarantino film i forget what it is but there is a mm -hmm. lot of like hints on other films mm -hmm. and a lot of um yeah homages even yeah because you know like Yes, it's Spielberg to to have red shoes, but it's also very Wizard of Oz, ah. and I think that's very interesting <laughs> too. You know, to compare Rosie to Dorothy about someone who just maybe is a little bit quirkier and magical than your normal person, and I guess that's how a kid looks at his mom. You yeah, know, it's his beacon of light. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And um, again, I look forward. It's great. I look forward to seeing this movie multiple times in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, and just Taika is so, so good, good, man. I I haven't seen a movie of his that I haven't liked yeah. really. Um, in case you guys are looking for more of him, um, what we do in the shadows is a great mockumentary about vampires and what they do and it's hilarious Hunt for wilder people is very similar to jojo and one of my absolute favorites of his yeah and you know most recently i guess more mainstream he did thor ragnarok oh, yeah. mm -hmm. which is a great movie yeah. too <laughs> very taika which is surprising because you know marvel and disney and their control <laughs> but um yeah I think it's great. And yeah. with all that said, this cup of coffee is over. Oh, it's over. And this conversation sad. is over too. So Aww. how about you outro us, Alga? Goodbye, everyone. It's been nice. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> Goodbye. Don't forget to follow us on Letterboxd. But um, yeah, it's been nice.
Is that your loneliness coming out? I am very lonely. <laughs> I need an Elsa in my life. Or a Jojo for that matter. A little a little Nazi boy. Follow me around. Don't take that out of context. Oh my yeah. god. <clears throat> no. Um it's been nice. Um sound bites. It's been nice. Yeah. I love good movies. Um, this is uh, I know yeah. you do. We should watch more good movies. Yeah. Dude, I've been watching so many shit yeah. movies. Like, I don't know why, but like this week I watched so many bad movies. Well, not bad, but at least like barely mediocre. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was a nice yeah. breath of fresh air, I guess. Then um, again, you kind of like you you need to see the films in order to establish that they are bad. You need some of it. Yeah. But, yeah. I don't know. The thing is, like, one of my guilty pleasures are romantic comedies mm-hmm. like they just do it for yeah. me but some like most don't do it for me because They're most bad. of them are not good um so i've i've seen a couple this week that i was like oh my god can i just <laughs> die please just let me die um anyways follow us on letterboxd the links to our profiles are on the doobly-doo. Subscribe to um, us on YouTube and Spotify and whatnot. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the good stuffs. Yes. We're on every single platform that you can think of. Subscribe, like it, share it. You know, sharing is nice. Sharing, sharing is, is caring. caring. Sharing is caring. Um, and we'll be back next week, maybe in two weeks. You don't know. We don't know. We do know. We'll be back next week. <gasps> I'm excited. <laughs> With another good episode. Goodbye, Mom. Bye, Algot. Bye.